This is the Darcy Giroux Podcast, Episode 17. Today my guest is Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada. And we're going to be talking about what has to be done in a post-pandemic Canada. Mad Max Bernier. Welcome to the Darcy Drill podcast. How are you, sir? Great. Thank you very much for having me. You know, uh, I think last time uh, was uh, a while, but we had a great discussion. So I'm very pleased to be back with you. Yeah, it's it's been a couple of years since you I've had a chance to sit down and talk. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, you've been very outspoken about the COVID mandates. It's managed to get you into a little bit of hot water. Um, it was almost exactly a year ago that you were arrested in Manitoba for violating the public health orders. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, last uh, summer, I was traveling across the country, actually by plane, Um and uh, I'm saying that because, as you know, I'm not vaccinated and I cannot travel by plane uh, in our country. Uh, I'm a, a prisoner in my own country. I'm in jail in Canada because of the vaccine mandate that Trudeau is still imposing. And actually, as you know, we are the only country on this uh, planet that um, is doing that to uh, uh, Canadian citizens that decided uh, freely not to take the two shots, but uh, that would be another discussion. But I was traveling actually, yes, and before the last election um, in June uh, across the country in Western Canada, and uh, we decided to go to Winnipeg. And so at that time over there, uh, they had very strict uh, unconstitutional restrictions and draconian restrictions. And one of them was not allowing more than, listen to that, more than five person in a park outside social distancing. So I did a meeting in a park with the executive of my riding association over there, the PPC Riding Association. And if I believe we were about nine or nine or to 12 people, social distancing outside in a park, and some of them were wearing a mask. So I had that discussion, and after that, I was the only one that was arrested and cuffed and put in jail for a non-crime after a political gathering in a park. So I was in jail for about 12 hours, and the goal for the Manitoba government uh, was uh, to be sure that I won't be able to do my rally that was planned uh, the day after uh, in Winnipeg, uh, a rally, a freedom rally with uh, other freedom fighters. So I was not able to do that rally because I was in jail. So that was actually political repression in our country. And all that unconstitutional, immoral, unethical, and that was a way to cancel me and um, 
and being sure that the people in uh, Manitoba, uh, the goal of the government was to be sure that people in Manitoba won't be able to listen to another point of view. So, um, and after that, um, I was supposed to have a hearing and after more than a year, you know, I'm still waiting for a date in the court. So I believe that the government uh, doesn't want to uh, proceed with that because uh, they know that uh, all that was uh, political driven and political repression and they may lo lose their case in court. So maybe I will have a date, maybe no, I don't know. But uh, that's the situation right now. Yeah. H have you been back to Manitoba since that happened? No, no. And I'm looking forward to go back there, actually. And, um, uh, you know, if I can travel by plane this summer, uh, I will uh, do a, a trip in uh, Western Canada and uh, uh, rallies over there and speaking with our people. But right now, what I'm doing, and, you know, I'm doing, I did a three weeks in Atlantic Canada in the Maritimes uh, in, by car. Uh, I was in New Brunswick, PEI, uh, Nova Scotia, and I didn't go to Newfoundland because uh, I didn't have the right to travel by boat. So, so, and I, I try to do little trips like that, three to four days now. Uh, now I'm in the Montreal region. Uh, I'll be northern Quebec also next week. I'll be in Ottawa uh, before the first um, of July, and I'll be there for the first of July. Actually, I will be with uh, James uh, Todd that is uh, walking across the country. Uh, he started that uh, in uh, BC and he'll be in Ottawa uh, the 30th of this month. So I will walk with him at 30K um, and I will have him on my show, the Mad Max show, when he'll be in Ottawa. And the 1st of July, uh, I will be uh, there. We'll have a big rally over there in front uh, the Supreme Court of Canada and we will um, we will have a lot of uh, speakers and we will celebrate uh, Canada Day. Ah, wonderful. Uh, currently, there is a court case brought forward by the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms on your behalf. Um, can you tell us a bit about that case? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a very important case. And, uh, you know, me uh, and also, also Brian Pedford, the former premier of Nova, uh, Newfoundland, uh, we are with the Justice Center. We are suing the federal government uh, because uh, it is our constitutional right to be able to travel freely by plane, by boat or by train across our country. And uh, actually, right now, uh, we have a date. That's the good news. September 19 uh, will be in the court, and that will be a couple of days, I think six days. And um, I believe that uh, we will be able to have a decision from the, the court maybe in December of this year. So if we win that case, that will be the end of uh, these uh, vaccine passport and these uh, mandates at the federal level. So everybody will be able to travel freely across our country. Uh, if we don't win that case, uh, I can tell you that we'll uh, appeal that case. The Justice Center will do that. But also, 
if before September 19, the Trudeau government decided to lift all these uh, uh, vaccine uh, passport mandate for Canadian travelers, I believe that uh, our case will go on uh, because it's too important. We want to have a decision for the future. Uh, we don't want that to happen again uh, in a couple of months or here or, or a couple of years. So that's why um, if uh, Trudeau uh, end uh, that mandate, uh, I, I believe that our case will go on and, um, and we'll have a decision also from the court. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems very important that there is some sort of decision made to set the precedent that stops politicians from uh, being allowed to do something like this again in the future. Yes. And, and you know, it's, it's one thing for me as a, a leader of a national party to say that all these restrictions were unconstitutional, uh, but we need a, a tribunal, we need a court to say that. So, and like that, a future government won't be able to do that again. So, and also I'm encouraged uh, with the Justice Center because as you know, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is a, a, a nonprofit organization and they don't receive any money from the government, <clears throat> any governments, and they received uh, their money from Canadians. And their role is to fight for our rights and our freedoms. And they, uh, they did a lot of cases the last two years in from uh, the court about you know people who lost their jobs for that, uh, students that were not able to go to uh, university, and a lot of cases like that. There's a bad news and good news. The bad news is they lost all their cases, almost all their cases. The good news is they are appealing all these cases, and I believe that they have a chance to win when they will appeal their, these cases. Because just put you in, um, in the shoes of a judge during the pandemic, when you have all that propaganda and advertising coming from the government about COVID, they were able to convince the population that COVID-19 was very dangerous for everybody and a deadly disease for everybody. And instead, the reality is it was a deadly disease for older people with comorbidities. But with that and lockdowns, the population were uh, in favor of all these draconian measures. More than 60 to 70% of the population approved what the uh, Canadians, uh, governments, and provincial governments did at that time. So if you are a judge and you have to take a decision and following the Constitution, uh, you know, it's uh, maybe a little bit difficult for you because you will be the first one that will go against a majority, a huge majority of Canadians and against a government that is supposed to do something good for the population. So these judges didn't have the courage to, for me, that's my interpretation, to table a decision in line with the constitution. But now we are after the fact, and now there's no emergency anywhere, and COVID is behind us. So I believe that judges will be more open to do their job and decide in line with the constitution. So that's why it's important what the Justice Center is doing, 
because we don't want that to happen again another time. We need to have decisions from the court about all that. And I believe that the first one will be our case, uh, me and, and Brian, uh, that we are doing with the Justice Center uh, this September. Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, that's very good to hear how optimistic you are about it. Um, but also, I just want to add about that also. You know, <clears throat> there's two battles. The one that the Justice Center is doing in the court, and I'm part of that, but also the battle to change the public opinion. And that's the battle that we started in in March 2020. And, and with participating in rallies and speeches and promoting the other point of view. And I think that uh, uh, we want that battle to change the public opinion because now you have a mainstream political establishment party, the conservatives, that have the courage to speak uh, against these uh, measures and for freedom for the first time. So they did that because they're doing politics based on survey and polling. And now they know that there's a lot of people that uh, want to be sure that this uh, won't happen again. So uh, uh, I think that's what the PPC is doing. You know, we have a vision for this country. And maybe when we speak about something, we don't have a lot of support. Uh, if you look at the population, that was not popular to speak against the mandates in the beginning of the pandemic. But we did it because that was the right thing to do. And we tried to change the public opinion. And I think we, the PPC, and all these freedom fighters across the country, and, and uh, the freedom convoy and the truckers, and all together, we were able to shift the public opinion and to show to these establishment politicians that now there's a trend. There's more and more people that are fed up with that. And uh, and so that's um, that's something that we are doing because I said we are doing politics differently at the PPC. We don't look at survey or polling and telling you what you want to hear. We have a vision. We uh, we are uh, try to appeal to your intelligence and promoting our idea because we believe that we have the best ideas. And the more you speak about it openly with passion and conviction, the more support you will have. And I believe that if you look at the past, we created that party in 2018 with 0% of support. Our first election was in 2019, 1.6%. And our last, the last election, 5% of, uh, of the vote. So we are growing step by step. And um, I believe that the next election will do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, so you, you are a veteran politician. You were an MP from 2006 until 2019, a cabinet minister under Stephen Harp. Uh, so you know your way around Parliament Hill and how things work there. Um, well, you know, I guess I have two questions here. Uh, while you were there, did you ever think you would see the day, uh, when they were pushing for this type of tyranny in Canada? And then, secondly, how did we how did we get to this point in such a small period of time? Yeah, first, uh, you're right to say that, uh, you know, uh, I was elected the first time in 2006 uh, for 13 years until uh, 2019, and uh, I'm not a career politician. Uh, I worked 
19 years in the private sector in Montreal. Uh, I was a VP for the Montreal Economic Institute. Uh, that's a free market think tanks. I was a VP of an insurance corporation based in the UK and working in Montreal in Canada for them. Uh, and after that, at 42 years old, I decided to jump into politics. I just want to say that because uh, Pierre Poliev, uh, he may be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, he is a career politician. He never had a real job. He never had a boss. He uh, was elected the first time at 25 years old, and uh, now he's about 42 years old. And that's only the thing that he did in life, to in politics, a politician. And, um, and so that's a huge difference between me and him on that. But when I was a minister, yes, <clears throat> um, I was a minister of industry. I did a deregulation over there, but I never thought that and I jump into politics. I decided to be to try to be elected because I wanted at that time to have a smaller government in Ottawa that will respect our constitution, won't interfere in provincial jurisdiction, will lower taxes to Canadians, and a smaller government in, in Ottawa. Uh, and I still believe in that. And so that's why I'm pretty proud of the deregulation that we did in the telecom sector when I was industry minister. And I wanted to politics to give more freedoms to Canadians. So that being said, I never expected that we will have a tyranny like that, not only at the federal level, but in almost every province uh, uh, since the, the, that COVID-19 hysteria started in 2020. So, uh, and, you know, I believe that... Um, what these uh, provincial governments and the federal government did, the, the policies that they adopted were wrong, but they were able to do that because they were able to manage the public opinion. Uh, you know, a politician uh, wants to be elected and wants to be re-elected, and they're putting Canadian. But I'm saying that, you know, it's serious. It's not uh, one a month, every month. It's almost every day. They are pulling people, doing focus group. They, they just, <clears throat> they want to know what you want to hear, but they want to know also how you want to hear that, which words they must use that you'll be able to understand and, and, and to convince you without uh, bringing too, too much opposition to that position. So they're, and they're spending a lot of money in that. So they knew since uh, the beginning of that crisis that doing a lot of advertising and propaganda will, will, uh, will change the public opinion. And that's why they were able to impose that because you know uh, they, they try to uh, please Canadians, but they scared Canadians at the same times. And I'll just give you an example of Alberta. Jason Kenney did the right thing in the beginning. He said, you know, I won't do any lockdowns. We will be open and all that. But poor Jason, the advertising and the propaganda that was coming from everywhere at the federal level, in every provinces, in all the big media, the population in Alberta were listening to that propaganda every day also. And so part of the population wanted to have more protections in bracket, so more COVID-19 restrictions, 
and other part of Alberta wanted to have more freedom. So he was squeezed. He was never able to have a huge majority in favor of the restrictions or a huge majority against the restrictions. So, so, and I believe, you know, that was part of his uh, uh, <coughs> failure as, as a, a premier of Alberta. Uh, try and it's, and he was when he said you know I'm for freedom and not opening that um, and op reopening and still and keeping open the economy, he did not argue and he did not take a big step arguing like the governor in Florida dissented against these measures. He just did it because it was popular to be open, and after that it was more popular to be to close the economy. So. He was following the 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 pool and the 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 the, the focus group without taking a big stand in a on on one one side or the other side. So he didn't take a big stand um, against the measures like dissenters in Florida, and he didn't take take a big stand for the measure. So that's why I believe that he uh, was not successful. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people here in Alberta disappointed with uh with Jason Kenney, that's for sure. Um let's talk about accountability for these big pharma companies. It seems crazy that these corporations can produce these injections and not be held accountable for any injuries or side effects. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a big uh, <clears throat> it's a big scandal. The fact that you have a corporation, uh, big pharma, uh, they produce a product, you know, vaccine, and you know they are not confident enough in their product to uh, to be judged by their consumers, uh, and they, they they had an agreement with every Western country, and to be sure that if something happened. Canadians or consumers from another country won't be able to sue the, the big pharma. So, so that's huge. That is telling me, uh, you know, I don't understand in a free market, you must be responsible of your product. You, you're producing something, and if something happens, you must be responsible of that. Uh, and that, that logic of uh, exempting big corporations of their responsibilities. It's something that I don't like, and it happened in Canada during the, um, the scandal, the SNC-Lavalin scandal. If you remember that, uh, they, they were not uh, sued under the criminal code because the federal government decided to have an agreement with SNC-Lavalin, and so SNC-Lavalin was above the law. And I was the only politician at that time to say, no, I don't want a, a special deal with Ensensibella, a big corporation of a small corporation. No corporation must be above the law. And I said that, and I was the only one against that. And now you have the same thing with the big pharma. They are above the law because we cannot sue them. So if something happened with that vaccine, and, uh, and I cannot agree with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, let's see. You know, there's a lot of these things. They're not specific to Canada only. 
although Canada does seem to be worse than some other places. Trudeau seems to be uh, happily taking orders from the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum without question. Um, Give us your thoughts on these undemocratic globalist organizations and the impact they have on Canadians. Yes, I must say that uh, we at the PPC, we are against globalism and uh, all these uh, globalists. And I said that actually in the first debate that I did in 2019, because I was able to debate with uh, these establishment leaders. But at the last election, uh, they were afraid of the PPC. So they they uh, they uh, they put a, a rule saying, you know, you need to have four percent of the vote to be able to participate. But actually, at the next election, we had five. So I'll be there on the stage and um, people will be able to have another point of view. But yes, we are not uh, globalist. And what is happening right now? Um, I must say that these bureaucrats uh, in the World Health Organization or the World Economic Forum or the UN uh, are not elected, but they're very influential. Uh, and that's what they're doing. You know, they try to influence Western countries to take their policies and, and in line with their values. So I'll give you the example of UK. UK decided uh, with Brexit because of the economic union was too powerful. Uh, they were uh, deciding what uh, the, the, the rules that will apply, the legislation that will apply in UK. So UK and all these uh, European countries lost uh, a part of their sovereignty. But with Brexit, they decided no. All that must be decided in UK. So with the World uh, Economic Forum or the World Health Organization, they are not, and we must, uh, we must say that clearly, they are not imposing their views on Canada or other countries. Uh, that's very different than the UN, uh, not the UN, the uh, Economic Union. The, in the economic union, when, when these bureaucrats in Brussels decided something, that was a law in, uh, in UK and all, in all these countries. But with the World Health Organization, they have policies and they are promoting these policies. So here in Canada, we are right now a socialist country with a socialist government with Trudeau and the NDP. But Trudeau freely decided to adopt the, these policies. He decided freely to sign the UN Compact on Migration. He decided freely to sign uh, the Paris Accord. And doing that, he decided to implement legislation in our country that will be in line with um, uh, mass immigration or, or fighting the Paris Accord. So we are a sovereign country, but because we elected people who share the same views of these organizations, that's why their influence is huge. And actually, I must admit that Trudeau is worse than the World Health Organization, because if you go on their website today, they don't promote any vaccine passport. They're saying, you know, it's, we must not impose a vaccine passport. 
and Trudeau is imposing a vaccine passport on Canadian travelers who decided freely not to have these two shots. So Trudeau is worse than, than the World Health Organization. So Trudeau is in line with these uh, international organizations and share their socialist point of view. And, uh, and that's why we need to have politicians that will fight for our sovereignty as a country and, and not be influenced by these international organizations. And I said, you know, we are saying no to the UN. The UN is a dysfunctional organization. We won't sign the Paris Accord. We won't uh, uh, sign the Migration Compact. We are saying no to mass immigration. Actually, if you look in the, with the Conservative Party of Canada and Polyev, Polyev said during his campaign that um, he won't impose a carbon tax. And so the, the question is not about a carbon tax. The question is about the Paris Accord. We, are, we have a carbon tax in Canada because we signed the Paris Accord. So the question to Polyev, uh, are, are you in agreement with the Paris Accord, yes or no? So maybe he won't impose a carbon tax, but if he believes believe in all that, he will impose more regulations or he would do something else to achieve these uh, targets. So we are saying no to a Paris Accord. We are saying no to a carbon tax. We are saying no to uh, man-made climate change. And we are saying yes to Canada and a smaller government for Canadians that will respect the Constitution and fight for our sovereignty. So that's the question. That's why I'm saying these two establishment political parties are globalists. And uh, they, 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 they want to do everything with the UN, and, 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 and that's not, that's not uh, what we will do. We can save um, a billion dollars if we look at everything, the, every penny that we are giving to the UN. Uh, so what we will do as a political party is to, uh, you know, if the UN is doing something that is not in line with our values, uh, we won't be part of that. So I believe that we can save a lot of money there also to be able a day to balance our budget. Yeah, so I, I know you touched on this a bit earlier, uh, but while we're on the subject of the CPC, your old, your old pals at the Conservative Party, um, they were basically non-existent when it came to standing up for Canadians' rights throughout lockdowns and mandates. I imagine it's not going to be, I imagine I know what you're going to say here, but what are your thoughts on the, on the future of that party? And is there any, um, anything positive you see coming out of it right now? Yeah, thank you for asking. And, uh, you know, like I said, when I left the Conservative Party of Canada in 2018, I said that the Conservative Party of Canada is morally and intellectually corrupt. And I said that uh, because uh, I didn't win the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada with 49% of support. But I tried to work with the establishment of the Conservative Party to work with Andrew Scheer. And I asked them to take some of my ideas uh, for their next electoral platform. And Andrew Scheer, after 13 months, he told me the truth. He said, Maxime, we won't take any of your ideas. I understand they were popular with the membership but they're not popular with the, the entire population. And we try to be a government. So for our next platform, forget all your ideas. It won't be part of our platform. So when he told me that, you know, 
what he told me, he, he told me the truth. And actually he did it. If you look at their platform for the 2019 election, that was not a conservative platform. They didn't take any of our ideas. And so that's why I said this party is only conservative in name. And, you know, they're, they're not fighting for conservative ideas. And that's why, you know, I left. So today they are in the leadership. And if you go back with, uh, with uh, O'Toole, O'Toole knew that if you want to be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, you have to speak like a conservative. And O'Toole decided after knowing that I almost won the leadership with 49%, he decided I will speak like Bernie. So he said, I'm a true blue, I'm a true blue. And he was able to win the, the, the leadership. And after that, you saw the real Aaron O'Toole and the real Conservative Party. They switched to the left because their only goal is to be in government. And the, the way to be in government is to have more support in Ontario and in the GTA. There's more seats in the GTA than in all Alberta, in all the province of Alberta. So that's their strategy. And they want to please the big cities and there's their leftists because they don't have any conviction, conservative conviction. So right now they are in the leadership. There's one candidate, Pierre Poliev, that is speaking like me. He's speaking like a conservative. And now he's supposed to be the candidate who, who fought for freedoms. And, um, and now he's speaking about freedom because it is because it is it is popular to speak about freedom right now, and it was not two years ago. So they were nowhere to be seen, including including Pierre Poliev, when we needed them during that fight uh, the last two years. So Poliev is speaking like a conservative. So what I'm telling you is they will do polling and focus group and Poliev will go to the left, maybe a little bit uh, slower than O'Toole, because he's more intelligent than O'Toole, but uh, you cannot count on them to fight for real conservative principles. And that's why, you know, uh, if it's Poliev or another one, uh, you know, the party is intellectually and morally corrupt, and they're doing politics only to be in government. And speaking like leftists, they are giving credibility to the leftist narrative. That's what they did the last uh, five years. And because they have the name conservative, but they are speaking like leftists. So they are giving credibility to the leftist narrative and leftist uh, agenda. And, uh, and, uh, but the PPC will never uh, merge or, or uh, we, we, uh, we are a, a very different party. And I, I believe that, you know, we are a populist party, yes, but um, with common sense. And that's the common sense revolution that we must do in this country. And the PPC will be always there to speak about our, our values, uh, defending our rights and freedoms, our Western civilization values, our sovereignty as a country, and, and respecting the Constitution. Uh, Constitution, Canadians' uh, rights and freedoms, but also uh, the provincial jurisdictions, not interfering in provincial jurisdiction. If in Alberta you want to have your own case, the depot, and controlling your pension, you must be able to do that. If you want to control your immigration like Quebec, you must be able to do that. If you want to have your own police force, you must be able to do that. Not only Alberta, 
but every province must be able to do that. So we believe in a smarter government in Ottawa that will respect provincial jurisdictions. And, um, and I believe that's the only way to have more prosperity in our country, but also to keep this country united. Because when you have a, about, maybe you know that better than me, 30% of the population in Alberta that are looking at the separation, you need to have an answer to that. But the mainstream establishment political parties don't want to speak about that. The conservative, the liberals and the NDP. We have a solution. No to the Paris Accord, changing the equalization formula to be less generous. And at the same time, also building pipelines and using the constitution, the section 9210 in our constitution, where the federal government would be able to impose. Yes, I'm using that word impose a pipeline on any province any provinces so so that's the only way to be able to build national infrastructure in this country the federal government must have the full jurisdiction the full authority the full responsibility for pipelines and the way to have that is to use the constitution and you know saying uh, this pipeline is for the national uh, unity of our country so doing that the federal government will be able to decide uh, without having to have any um, approval at the provincial level. So that's that's the policies that we must discuss is if we want to keep this country like that. I understand the frustration of people out west. They have a case, and uh, and but it's too bad that the traditional establishment parties uh, don't want to uh, speak about these issues that are important for the prosperity, but also for the unity of our country. So that's why I believe that the the, the, the Conservative Party of Canada, with their new leader, uh, Jean Charest, Poliev, or another one, uh, that would be the same uh, fake Conservative Party that we had the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um well, thanks a lot for coming on, Max. Uh, it's always great to talk with you. Uh, I'm hoping you'll come back sometime and we can dig a bit more into some of your policies. Um, a lot of my listeners are fans of the Austrian School of Economics, as I know you are too, so we could uh, have some fun with uh, with some of that, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. That would be interesting. So thank you very much for giving me that opportunity again. And uh, let's stay in touch. Yeah. Okay. Have a good day, Max. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Rossi. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. That was Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada. You can find out more about them at peoplespartyofcanada.ca. And to make sure that you never miss an episode of the Darcy Giroux podcast, subscribe on Substack. Substack.